Welcome to our monthly show, 25th of the month. We always have the great joy of having the discussion of our lady's messages and the words that's given to us that will affect our eternity. And so we'd like to begin with that message and those words that our lady gave us today. Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's September 25th, 2010, monthly message to the world. Dear children, Today I am with you and bless you all with my motherly blessing of peace. And I urge you to live your life of faith even more because you are still weak and are not humble. I urge you, little children, to speak less and to work more on your personal conversion so that your witness may be fruitful and may your life be unceasing prayer. Thank you for having responded to my call. And of course, we always have these words come to us in a special way that would speak to us individually, but also the whole world and each person upon the world differently. Next year, it'll be the same way. That being the case, what does this say to you today? I think it's a little bit surprising that we might see our lady says, you're still weak. We've had her for almost 30 years now, and those who have walked with our lady for a long time may find that surprising. And in fact, I heard somebody in the movement, uh, the Medjugorje movement, uh, about a year ago say that the second of the month messages is for non-believers and the 25th message is for us, which is not true. We still have aspects of non-belief in us, and here we have Our Lady giving us this 25th message, and she says, you're still weak and are not humble. And I believe it's very difficult to be humble in our structure of the world that it is today. We have much power, even a careful observation of just riding down the road, how people are so filled with activity and a lack of reflection just in the car, just on the cell phones. And just I was actually watching a woman a few days ago in the car, how she was driving in, in the car, and just it was really arrogant. I don't think she meant to come across that way or she thought she was that way. But it's like everybody's running a business office behind the stone wheel. And there's no time to really stop back and look at yourself. And she looked foolish. And so we have the difficulties of living in humility, following humility, and asking Our Lady to show us and make us understand these things. This is something that with this technological age and what we have and for us, I, I remember reading a report about blackberries, that blackberries really have, is something that causes people to uh, think too much of themselves, that having that there, that it puts a, uh, a certain self-attention on them, like they're important, beyond their importance. And so we have access to us things in independence that we've never had before, things that causes us not to be able to really feel that humility and to feel humility is something wonderful if not to feel humility is to feel self and there's a real lack of understanding of humility today in the world and people don't even grasp humility uh, somebody gets angry you get angry back to be humble you just don't react our lady's message on the second of the month was last um september 2nd was beautiful in that she said to forgive and ask for forgiveness. And too many people are, are not humble enough to ask for forgiveness. They want to be forgiven, but they don't want to ask God for that. And Ali's words were, were very interesting when she said that message. It's important to forgive, and also it's important to ask for forgiveness. We have to ask for forgiveness from God, not just assume He's going to do it, and presumption. And we have the sin of presumption in the church today in a heretical way now that's so strong that we just can go out and do our sins all week and then 90% no 99% of the people go to communion you know what, where is the humility in thinking maybe I've offended God maybe I need to review myself and realize that I'm not in good standing with, with what the church teaches and I can't receive communion I'm not in a position where I'm worthy of that and yet, everybody's going to communion. I remember as a kid, a lot of people, half the church sometimes would be sitting in the pews. Nobody sits in the pews no more. And it's okay if you never sit in the pews if you're going to confession and you run to confession when you sin. That's a sign of humility. 
But we don't have that anymore. We have very little humility in the world. We have the arrogance of what is taught, the trademarks of Hollywood, music. Everything teaches I'm the greatest, I'm the, I'm the best. And, and uh, self-glorification. One thing that was interesting in this message is, there, is our lady says, I urge you to live your life of faith even more. She says the second time, I urge you, little children. Urge is something of a strong word that speaking to them in Medjugorje today about how this was translated, that the word urge in creation was very, very powerful word. That our lady literally meant that. But in creation, it means that if you've got somebody in front, behind somebody and push them, uh, the word stronger in, in creation that is it, than it is in English. So it means I push. So our lady, I, I'm pushing you to live your faith, your life of faith. The second urge, she says, I urge you, little children, to speak less. I'm pushing you. I push you, little children, to speak less. The other thing that was literally, they, they looked at translating this in several different ways, was, and may your life be unceasingly prayer. And may your life be unceasing prayer. They tried to look at it different ways of, of translating the un, word unceasing, and it literally means unceasing. Our Lady means for us to not ever not be prayer. Not ever not to be in prayer. Of course, St. Paul teaches in the Scriptures, and she's echoing that. Especially in today's world, with so many distractions, and, and like I've said many times, just if we had one day of the same minutes and seconds an hour spent on the cell phone in prayer to God the Father in serious prayer, what would alter? It would alter the whole world. Can you imagine what kind of voice that would rise up? And so all this is causing us to be weak. And if we're weak spiritually, if we're weak this way, we're not humble. And so we've got to really recollect, as the lady just said last month, and I think it was the 25th message last month, to recollect about this. I know that you couldn't have read this message today uh, without reflecting yourself on uh, the first message that Our Lady ever gave you. Uh, it was on October 6, 1986. And there have been very few people in the world, ever in the say, history say, of the world. Say, gave me how. What? Say how it gave me. Or gave me how. Gave me how. No, Our Lady didn't give me a message. Oh, well, through Maria. Okay. Through Maria. I'll make sure anybody, nobody misunderstands that. Okay. But uh, throughout really all of history of man, there have been very few people who have given, been given direct words from Our Lady through the visionary Maria, um, as you have, not just in one or two occasions, but many times throughout the years in which she's given you guidance and um, specific words for specific situations that you are living through and guiding this community, etc. In reading the message today and reading, and I'll, I'll go ahead and read the message of October 6, 1986 of what Our Lady gave you through Maria. She said, pray and by your life witness, not with words, but rather through prayer, will you attain what your desire is. Therefore, pray more and live in humility. And I know that you have tried to penetrate this message as deeply as you can to live this foundational message Our Lady gave, that you have insights into this word humility and today's word humble, that you might like to share some of what you've gleaned over the years. Well, I think to, to get a message that says live in humility, Our Lady will give you the grace to live in humility. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're you're going to be self-professed humble. It means you're going to do a lot of suffering and you're going to do a lot of things that will keep you humble if you want that grace. And uh, that comes from difficulties, many crosses, uh, many things that you have the power to change but refrain from doing that change. Just because you have authority or, or can respond back or you can alter the situation doesn't mean you should do that. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus often was attacked. Jesus often had many things come up against him. And he had the power to do whatever he had to do. We saw that. We saw that the time frame was moving in the wrong direction the night in, in, in Gethsemane when they drew their swords 
Peter drew his swords, it wasn't humble. They drew their swords and 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 uh, the Roman soldiers were going to grab and rest more than him. And he made them all fall to the ground. So Jesus had the power. He only used it in very reserved ways or if something was that was going to affect his ability to walk toward the crucifixion. And I say that because uh, everybody has positions or something at hand that they can use or they can walk the, the path of humility and just let that play out. And it means to lose. And Jesus willfully lost many times against the Pharisees in different situations without using what he could have done. And we know he could have done it because he did it in the Garden of Gethsemane with the soldiers when he made them fall to the ground. So we see this in the life of the saints. To, to be humble is not to always react. To be right and be wronged is not to mean always a means that you have to debate that. In fact, it's a sign of insecurity when you've got to make your point or you've got to argue back or if you're attacked that you've got to defend yourself. I'm not insecure with what I do. Uh, you know, when you have the lazy, uh, lazy words or truth. If you act on that truth, then you walk in truth. One thing I understand from humility is that I'm a sinner. And we all should understand that. When you understand you're a sinner, then, then you realize how small you are. I, I love this time of year walking to the field at 5 a.m. I walk from my house down the Rosary Trail. It's through the woods, so it's really dark. I can't see the sky. It's still an hour of darkness left before dawn. Get out there quarter till 5. When I make the turn toward the field, the first thing I do is look up. And you see all those stars, and you feel humble. And it's a good feeling because you see you see God and His might and how unmight you are. Now, a lady gave a message once that says, I give you might, this might you need. I will help you with this might. She said might four times. You need this might. And so we're not talking about being strong or having might of God like David did, but at the same time being humble. And having might doesn't mean you should exercise that might. And so... I think that's one of the most valuable things I've learned is is we've got a real voice here uh, to do things and influence the whole movement. God's put us in a position to influence the whole Michigan movement worldwide. That doesn't mean you're supposed to use it or for your advantage or to defend yourself. And so it's a sign of insecurity and also of, uh, of not being humble when you feel like you need to do those things. So we could talk a long time about that and, and about humility and and the the best way to always do is what i say is be on your knees because you're close to the ground and pride go up before the fall we have much pride and your structure of your way of life when you have a way of life where you depend on god and you depend on him for the rain you depend on him for your your livelihood instead of your way of Money, your power, your position, those things that give you strength. And so uh, it's important that we understand that uh, the structure of our life is, is, is very important to be humble or to add to your, make you be in a humble position. And when you turn toward your life and you turn it toward God and His way and His life, your dependence is constantly on Him, and you can't help but be humble. The fields are running dry, not a drop in a couple months. Money's getting tight, and I'm losing all I got. I'm running out of time, there ain't much else I can do. That's why I'm standing here, begging you. To ask, I know I'm just one man. But you're the only hope I got, my whole world is in your hands. So let the heavens open up on this humble piece of land. Cause you're the only one who can make it rain. Make it rain. 
calling up and beating down my door I shed blood and sweat for years I don't even know what for It's gotten bad when an honest man can't work the land anymore I just need a little mercy So let it pour Make it rain I hope it ain't too much to ask I know I'm just one man Make it rain you're the only hope I got My whole world is in your hand Make it rain so let the heavens open up On this humble piece of land Make it rain you're the only one who can Make it rain We only talk when there's something I need A little faith can make a miracle And I believe, please, make it rain I hope it ain't too much to ask I know I'm just one man Make it rain But you're the only hope I got My whole world is in your hand Make it rain So let the heavens open up On this humble piece of land Lady in Medjugorje said on January 25, 1997, I invite you to reflect about your future. Do we live her words and reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there and that the current economic order will recover? Does Our Lady give us insight to the future and what we should expect? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It Ain't Gonna Happen by a friend of Medjugorje takes Our Lady's messages and places them where they belong, which is over the issues of your housing, the economy, everyday necessities, stock markets, and your investments to help you see what you must do to make changes in your life. Whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, it ain't gonna happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000. 205-672-2000. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje, available through Caritas of Birmingham. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. A friend of Medjugorje, you have... Um you're no stranger to persecution and attacks. Our Lady gave this message of October 6, 1986, and she said for you to pray and by your life witness. We have seen over the years that with the growth of this mission and its ability to reach more and more souls and affect those souls towards eternal life with Our Lady, with Jesus, that there's been an increase in jealousies and 
um, feeling of wanting to see this mission destroyed by many people. Our Lady will come here with Maria. She'll give messages, and that will quiet the the voices down for a while until time elapses and when Our Lady's not here, and then these voices increase again. And my question is, what is Our Lady's expectation for you, do you feel, in living humility when an all-and-out attack is being placed upon you, your character, your calling, your mission? What does she expect from you in living out this witness? Well, I don't, I don't want to turn this message toward, toward me because th- that would be living in humility. So the, uh, the, whole, the whole thing, the question you're asking is, is something that uh, we just accept just like Peter did or Paul did or, or any of the people or all, just normal Christians. I know Italy right now is going crazy because they just beatified an 18-year-old girl today. And that's all over Medjugorje. And uh, I don't, don't remember what they said their name was, but she was nobody. She was ordinary. And when she found out she got cancer and she was dying, she, came, she became extraordinary saintly, just a, a light. So she, she was confronted with his death. And you, when you when you see when you face to face with your mortality, some you know you humble. You can't be a saint without being humble. And so you see this. So it's good to be persecuted. It's good to be under attack. In fact, that's a sign of your mission. And that's okay. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and and yes, it does damage to us. And and of course we uh, we went to Our Lady. Uh, the last time we went to Our Lady about it, I did in the bedroom. Was. Um, maybe three or four years ago, or maybe five years ago, four years ago. And Our Lady, I said, what to do about these attacks now? We asked Our Lady, and Our Lady says, I give you love, you give it to others. So that's our response. We love. You want to make your enemy to us, then you be an enemy to us. Enemy to the mission, enemy to what I do. Then that's fine. But Second Peter talks about, take joy when you've been given suffering, because you've been given suffering in mind. And so we're to rejoice in persecution and difficulties. And, and the Scriptures also says that suffer for righteous sake, because you're going to suffer one way or the other. If you do bad, you'll suffer. If you do good, you're going to suffer. But it's better to just suffer for, for righteous sake. So I always like to look at it. I deserve it anyway because I'm a sinner. And so it's a, just, it's a justified thing. And I think everybody is going through anything, whether family difficulties or whatever situation you find yourself, marital or, or your children or work or whatever, the first response is good. There was somebody in Medjugorje once explained to one of the priests there that uh, there was particular things I was going through out there, persecution, what did, I, what did he think? And he was a Franciscan. And, and uh, he said, good for, good for you, talking to me. And, and it's this perfect answer, good. So, this keeps us humble. It's good for us. God sends it. Jesus was God. He went through it. And I think it's important. And this, this is the keystone of this message, too. It's about you're not humble. And I'm sure there's times that I've disappointed Our Lady, and I, this mission has disappointed Our Lady. But we have the confidence of knowing that, that uh, she's called us this mission. She's called the community. She gave a specific message with Maria and I was for, for the mission. Because I was too passive with the message, mission, and she said, get hearts close to a way of salvation. That was all the words she said. It was quite lengthy. But in that message to Maria for the community, we became proactive instead of passive. And we never looked back. And we don't do that with any arrogance. We do that because we've been commissioned, and we have the confidence of knowing that. And people like it. That's beautiful. If they don't, that's okay. And, of course, we've got a lot of people that do like it far more than those maybe distract us. But I don't want to turn the show toward too much of, of our persecution, but turn you to that, to, to you and your difficulties, that these things are, are meant to humble us. And if our ladies tell us the words, you're still weak and are not humble, I have to accept that, that I, I've got some flaws that I have to fix there. The, the mission itself here does. Everybody else in the Medjugorje movement does. That our lady is speaking to us, and she wants us to to be to go go closer to that. You know, this young girl dying and becoming a saint, who was really didn't do anything great in her life until she got cancer. I don't know how long she lived—a few months or whatever it was. But death is humbling. You know, you lose all your power. 
you lose everything you have when you when you uh, look back at your life and where you've you've been with it, and to face death and and people that have gone through say with great wealth. Well, I remember reading about a king once, and he reviewed his whole life on his deathbed, and he said he was trying to count how many times he was happy in his whole life. He counted fourteen times his whole life. That's it. They can remember really being happy. Here, as he had everything, he had a king, he had all this power and authority. And only 14 measly times did, was he happy. So that doesn't make you happy. But when, you, when you're on your deathbed and you're humble and you see these things, uh, to be humble is to feel the presence of God. I know when I felt the most humble is when I felt the closest to God. Uh, a priest just gave a homily in Medjugorje. He says, I think this was yesterday he gave. He says, where I come from, he's from United Kingdom. He says, where I come from, at the moment the people are mostly retired, society teaches us to spend the final years of our lives in materialistic happiness. It is sad, really, that our lives are spent creating a vision of anticipating retirement. They fail to realize how quickly this life, pa- this life passes away. And so we... It's an incredible statement he makes because that's what people do. They work their whole life for their retirement. And and they can get so caught up in this retirement that they they depend on their money and not God. And when those things vanish and there's no need to use that, you're laying in a hospital bed and there's nothing else nobody can do for you, do you want to be that way on your deathbed? Is that, is that how you want to approach death? Is that going to be a happy death? And so our lady's really come into this world to change the way we're, we are structured society-wise. The whole, the whole life of what we do and what we, where we've been and where we've been all of our life, when you look at your life, is not structured like the man was just singing in the song about, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you, I need you to pray on this humble ground. I need rain over it. And so we, we've got great power as an individual person. Great power and mastery over an automobile that can take us someplace where it's control, totally under our control. And at our fingertips, there, there's so many modern things that, that man has never experienced, not even the kings, and all the great power. And this makes us not humble, and it makes us not dependent on God. But when you're walking or you have a wagon and you're trekking up mountains and it's raining and hailstorms coming, and you, you, it's just a reflection. Your whole life is built on that. And so we have these words of Our Lady, recollect, and we need to think about where, where have I been all my life? And when you think that and you start looking back and get away from these things that keep us from God, the television, the movies, the entertainment, all these things, we can grow closer to God. And we can see what kind of world all these leaders is, which is a beautiful world. She wants us to experience the world in a way that we don't today. Been down the road to work and back. Been in what I thought was love a few times. But every once in a while, I stop and ask, where have I been all my life? These days broccoli don't taste so bad And neither does swallowing my pride And I'm agreeing more and more with my old man Where have I been all my life? Some years are clear and some a little blurry Man, how they fly by Mom and Dad sure got old in a hurry Where have I been all my life? Then learning that forgiveness is as much for myself As it is for the other guy And I read the good book these days and believe it Where have I been all my life? Some 
and some a little blurry Man, how they fly by Mom and Dad sure got on in a hurry Where have I been all my life? I heard what a wonderful world By Louis Armstrong it brought a tear to my eyes After all these years I finally get that song Where have I been all You know, we won't say Louis Armstrong's Wonderful World is what we reflect of now, a world that we reflect of now, because who's happy with the world? Who's happy with our culture? Who's happy with our society? Nobody. Uh, you see very few people saying, what a wonderful world it is. And we don't have that, and yet this is what our lady desires. I once asked Maria, and I've said this before, did a lady say to you what she said to Bernadette? I can't prom promise you happiness in this life. And she says, no, our lady wants me to be happy. Our lady said several times here, I want you to be joyful witnesses. I want you to be carriers of peace. And of course, scriptures teach us to be joyful carriers of the cross. That being the case, our lady has come to annihilate with her words, and I say annihilate literally, to crush our present society. Not to destroy us, but to destroy everything not of God. And it's, this words of Harvard I just got through writing goes deeper into this, and it's something that we see in our latest messages over and over and over, this theme that she's coming to tell us to use this time well, that she's going to birth a new culture. She's going to bring us to a new time of peace, she says, this is my time. I bring you to a new time. You'll get to know God more. I come with the God's plan for great plan for the salvation of the world. God desires the conversion of the whole world. The, not the whole world, the entire world. And so we're coming in something that for that to happen, the present system is going to go down. Out of that rubble, out of that void, something new will be born. And we know birth comes with pain. We know it doesn't go to the, the baby doesn't go to the birth canal without this dying life in the womb and coming out to another dimension where it's a more beautiful life, a more wonderful world, where it can see the sky, where it can see, feel air, feel different, breathe. And so we're an oppressive society. We have a choking, regulated, oppressive society that's so taking away our freedoms and our liberty, which is all from God. I'm not speaking something from a patriotic standpoint. The, the rights we have is inalienable they, because they're God. They emanate from Him. He made them. He created them. And we're born with them. It's not anybody's to give us. It's ours. And with this loss of liberty... It's a result of, of sin in our culture and the structure of culture that does that. So Our Lady is bringing us to this wonderful world. She wants that. And it's like this revelation this guy says where I've been all my life. I've heard what a wonderful world by Louis Armstrong. It brought tear, a tear to my eye. All these years I finally get that song where have I been my life, all my life. It's in the message. Our Lady is telling you that today. I urge you personally or rather, I urge personal conversion so that your witness may be fruitful. And may your life be unceasing prayer. That's going to burst something. And all that we see now of God, or what all we see now of Satan, is going to go away. And all we see of an imagine to the message of what is God is coming. This will be burst. And so we are coming to this wonderful world. And maybe it may not be the exact way Lou Armstrong decides it, but it'll show you. 
remember reading uh, something that St. Teresa of Little Flowers said since her feast day is coming up. Um, she said that she knows in, in her entire life that there was always never more than five minutes would pass in any given time when she did not think of, of God. So there's never a time in her life where God wasn't in her thought. And Our Lady says, she wants our life to be unceasing prayer. What do you, what is your experience of that, or what do you does that mean that we are constantly being saying the Hail Mary is always on our lips, or what is your interpretation of unceasing prayer? Well, a lady gave a message once that said to pray short, ardent prayers. So it's not that you got to say a diatribe of prayers, or you got to have some kind of formula to it, or just. You know, our ladies also taught us that prayer is simply a conversation with God. She's also said, pray with the heart. And the way I understand that is if you reflect on your life and think about something, a situation or a teacher or a job or a spouse or kids or whatever, that you'd been wanting to talk to them for a long time. When you finally got that moment, you really, really poured out your heart and really spoke to them with conviction and, and with, with all your being. And God wants us to address him that way. God wants us to ask for things. He's a father. He's a good father. And he seeks us to ask. Not just presume this is mine, and that's why we're not humble. We just presume we're owed this, this job. We've got an entitlement mentality everywhere that it's mine for the taking. You know, I, I'm, gra I'm grateful, very grateful my grandfather came here from Italy and worked in the coal mines for nothing and, and was was persecuted as an Italian. I don't sit there and think in resentment about how they treated him like dirt. You know, and, and so it is that, that whatever means you can, the Israelites were slaves. And God expected them to be grateful when he brought them out of that. And yet they complained for 40 years. They wandered around the desert. And we've got, we've got different people that have been slaves here. And yet, because of that, they became Christians. You're always to see the good in something, not the bad. Allah says, turn every negative into a positive. And so, you can look back and sit there and say, my ancestry, you know, I was a slave, or they were slaves. What, what's that got to do with you today? Thank God for the good that you are. You, you, you reintroduced the Christian religion. When Pope Benedict down, went down to South America, they, they confronted him about the uh, indigenous people, how Christopher Columbus came here and what he did. And he says he came and he brought 
Christianity because their hearts were crying out to God for it. An incredible profound answer and a positive answer and the only answer. I don't want to hear anybody tell me about their past, how they've been afflicted. I don't care. You're guilty. You deserve it. Look what happened to Jesus. He didn't deserve it. Let it account for your sins today. Whatever happened, who cares? So we've got this society and culture and mentality everywhere of entitlement. And so it makes us not be ungrateful. And we're not ungrateful, we're not humble. The saints also teach us to be, be grateful. They say be, um, gratefulness begets another favor. So in this conversation with God in this prayer and this praying unceasingly, you're humble. And you're thanking God for everything. For the sunshine, for the rain, for the lightning. For I, I once put my kids to bed and I says, okay, thank God tonight. What, what for? We got nothing to thank God for. I said, have you got two legs to walk on? Are you breathing? Did you, did you have a meal tonight? You've got a roof over your head? You got two parents who love you. You got two parents who love each other. You got friends. I mean, where's the list in? But we don't recollect. We go to bed thinking about what I want. I took a Church of Christ couple once to Medjugorje. They were actually clients of mine because I went on transition before I got out of business and God was calling me to do this full time. Uh, I talked to them and going to Medjugorje. They came back and gave me a plaque that says, I still have it in my living room, it says, Sometimes. We can't be satisfied with what we have for what we want. And that's us. We, we, as a people, always thinking once we've got something or we got the yard fixed or we got this thing, that we, what is the next thing? We can't even measure and savor what we have. And so this is what life's about. Life is not about going and doing and having, but what we do have be reflected in thanking God continually for it. And the book ain't gonna happen. It speaks in the beginning about that of of a of a incredible story that I don't want to go into details because it runs it in the book. But in the in the book about communion, it was revealed that the first thing when you have Jesus in you at communion is you think about thanking Him, you praise Him, you worship Him, and you and you tell Him what you're grateful for. And then the very last thing you do, you ask what you need. Because God does want us to do that. Instead, we go to the bank. And he's, he's the one we're, we're talking from the heart from. Well, I need this because of this reason. Or you go to the, the job, well, your job applicant for the guy that's going to hire you. And you're, you're pleading with them. Do you talk to God that way? Have you rehearsed that way? Have you been thinking, man, I hope he gives me this job? You know, go to God that way. Go to and get that through him first. The other guys are second. And so, Our Lady's words praying unceasingly, we're, we're, we're to do this. Short on it prayer. I walked around for years, years before I went, got involved with Medjugorje. Oh, my beloved, who art my God, make my heart a flame of pure love for thee. If I said that one time a day, I said it a thousand times. Through my work, through everything, through driving, turning off the radio. Constantly, for probably several years. And I can remember working on a job at one moment where those years had come together where I felt so in union with God. Out there, I had my men. I was directing them. We had a job going on. But, but by repeating that, it, I came in union with them very intimately and very in, in a way that you, you feel humble. To, to, feel, to be humble is to feel the presence of God in your heart. Because if you're not, you won't feel the presence of God. If you say, well, I've never felt the presence of God like that, then you've got to look at your humility. You've got to go toward that. And let our lady push you. I urge you. I push you to live your life of faith, even more because you're still weak and are not humble. Don't depend on things. Don't depend on even your breath that you take. We think that our breath is our life. We talk about Life, you know, uh, life or a paramedic coming that when I'm breathing, that's life. That's not that's not really what the breath you take is about. That kind of life. That's not life. And I think humility has got more to do with life and and death and and when you confront death. I mean, you really this is this is the peak of your opportunity to be humble. 
because you really seen your mortality. No matter what you did or arrogant you was, you really are at the very base of mercy of the doctors and nurses, your caretakers at home, whatever. There's nothing you can do about it. It's totally out of your control, your prestige, your position, your wealth, everything. The breath is not just about staying alive or about life. It's much more than that. He looks up from second base Dad's up in the stands He saw the hit, the run, the slide There ain't no bigger fan In the parking lot after the game He said, Dad, I thought you had a plane to catch He smiled and said, yes, son, I did Life's not the breath you take The breathing in and out That gets you through the day Ain't what it's all about You just might miss the point Trying to win the race Life's not the breath you take But the moment to take your breath away Fast forward 15 years And a thousand miles away Boy's built a life He's got a wife And a baby due today he hears a voice saying, I made it, son Says, I told you, Dad, you didn't have to come He smiles and says, yeah, I know you did But life's not the breath you take The breathing in and out They get you through the day Ain't what it's all about you just might miss the point Trying to win the race Life's not the breath you take But the moments that take your breath away Just like it took my breath when she was born Just like it took my breath away When Dad took his last that morning Life's not the breaths you take The breathing in and out That gets you through the day Ain't what it's all about You just might miss the point If you don't slow down the pace Life's not the breaths you take But the moments that take your breath away Now they said January 25th, 2007 Do not forget that you are you are passing like a flower in the field, which is visible from afar, but disappears in a moment. Little children, leave a sign of goodness and love wherever you pass. You're passing through this life. In the passing this life, you won't impact it. Our Lady said that she wanted you to be fruitful. She says, I urge you, I urge personal conversion so that your witness may be fruitful. Your witness is your life. To be a witness means to be martyred. And so after you're gone and what's left, Our Lady says, leave a sign of goodness and love wherever you pass. On March 25th, 1988, Our Lady says, your life is fleeting like a spring flower, which today is wondrously beautiful, but tomorrow has vanished. Your witness will not only have value for yourselves, but for all eternity. 
Can you imagine the youth of, of your life on this earth and how young you are or how old you are that you're called little children? You can be 90 years old and die, but to our lady, you're just a little child. So you're dying young. You die young no matter how old you are if you're 100. We, my, my wife's mother, grandmother just died last year, 103 years old. But to God, she's a little child. She's, she's young. Why? Because when she died, she just began eternity. We all are, are walking toward, and I mean, we're in the womb right now. Lady says, as I bore Jesus in my womb, I want to bear you into holiness. So this is nothing more than a womb. For us to be birthed to see where we're going to spend our time for eternity. On August 25th, 2001, he says, Be real with yourself that your life is passing as a flower. Ali said something incredible on November 25th, 1989. By means of the messages, I wish to make of you a very beautiful mosaic in your heart so I may be able to present each of you to God like the original image. And that image is to be not just dressed in white at your death, but to just so be dressed in white satin. This mosaic I want your life to be is to impact others. And so, if you die young, you might think that's nine years old, eight years old. But to God, if you're 90... You're dying young. So Our Lady wants you to be beautiful in your soul. And not your flesh cover your soul, but your, your soul cover your flesh. You know, lay down in a bed of roses. Our Lady asks us to pray unceasingly. Because we're all going to be dying young, no matter what our age. What do you want your life to be? What do you want to live here? Do you want your life to be something that would have such an effect on people that would they could say that that life lives in my heart and it goes from generation to generation? We're affected by Jesus' witness now from 2,000 years ago. We're affected by little St. Teresa from generation to generation. What you do here is just like a pebble in a pond that ripples on out, both for good and for bad. You can even have leave bad memories, which would be as sharp as a knife, and that memory might be bitter for those you leave behind. Or you could have things and creating your witness in life that would be a sharp knife for you to be lost, to die young. Well, one thing's for certain, God has for us, whatever time that time's come, just enough time. Because if you pray for the anointed time God's given to you, He's going to take you when you have just enough time that He wants you to spend on this earth. Whether that's 2 years old, 20 years old, or 72 years old. You'll have just enough time to do what you're supposed to do. And it's important. People cut their lives short. Recklessly. Vice. Drinking. Whatever it may be. But you've got an appointed time with God and you want to grow for that. And be prepared for that. And you want to be walking into his kingdom wearing white. You want to have that love. If I die young, bury me inside. Lay me down on a bed of roses. Sink me in the river at dawn. Send me away with the words of a love song.
So I really want your life to be love and peace. She wants you to follow her messages so that when you come to your death, your time, your appointed time, everything you did and done has already been done. And everybody's always amazed when they hear that verdict. If they could get the grace to know it comes through sickness, illness, or what have you, that the time is out. But that doesn't mean your light goes out. It means it just begins. So remember, those who live in the hearts that live behind never die. And it's God who's calling Our Lady to make us shine through eternity. Reflect on your life. Reflect on what Our Lady wants you to be doing. And always remember that her words are your guiding force now, not the news not the distractions, not Hollywood. Turn everything away and go toward her message. Good night. We love you. We wish you Our Lady. <laughs>